This is Versa Collective, the podcast about rewriting your story in order to live the most epic life imaginable. We're about flipping the script on the life you have to the one you most desire. I'm Amnesty, storyteller, mindset mentor, and founder of the Versa Collective. Join me in my own journey as I share some of the things I learned along the way in the hopes that it might help others on their own journey toward epic lives of their own. Here's to walking the paths less traveled and living the lives most adventurous. today this is a deep one this is gonna t- this one I want to talk about my journey to sobriety I haven't been sober for very long but I have no intention to go back to drinking and I kind of want to record this episode so that I hold myself accountable should I ever need to so I shouldn't say that I need the accountability right now but I'll record it to hold myself accountable should the situation arise let's go back about <laughs> 14 years, I started drinking when I was first in college. Now, my first drinking experience, we drank rum, and I was in high school, and I was with a friend, uh, or with my sister's friend, actually. I don't really know or remember what happened. I know that it wasn't good, and alcohol did not agree with me. So I didn't, again, drink until I was 19 years old in college, university, depending on what side of the pond you're on. And I had a couple of Smirnoffs and was pretty shmammered and stopped drinking. And for my first like sort of six months, I was, I could kind of keep myself from drinking too much. But college is a scenario in which you're just kind of given so much alcohol. We played beer pong every weekend. I have some epic stories around beer pong in which my boyfriend at the time was obsessed with it and uh, was like, had a streak of winning over like eight weeks or nine weeks or something. And then a friend of mine and I got in and just kicked their ass and and beat them. That was pretty cool. So there's some really good memories around alcohol. And I think even in the beginning, I didn't control my life. I didn't need it all that much. But then time went on. It just became a weekend activity for a lot, uh, a lot as it does for everyone. And then I moved to England and there's a huge, huge drinking culture here, (laughs) even to the point where Um, the first weekend that I had been in London, I had three beers thinking that I would be fine because I was used to drinking pints at home. I had been a waitress over the summer and I'd been working at a club actually over the summer. So I thought I could manage it. Totally forgetting that a beer has more alcohol in it. It's higher percentage and that the pints were bigger. So I had three pints and fell on my face, scraping up my cheek and my forehead and being incredibly embarrassed, but it didn't stop me. I continued to drink more and more. I continued to surround myself with people who drank a lot. And then I don't, I think when I started really getting into my career, that's when it became, so my first job was for a company who made expensive telephones for traders. So I essentially was not directly in trading, but I was adjacent to trading. And there is a culture within drinking, uh, trading that's drinking, drugs, etc. I never got into drugs, thank God. Mostly because I was naive and didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but I did drink. We were drinking, my husband and I, and this was after we got married, we were drinking every night, at least four nights a week during the work week, getting home at midnight to one o'clock, turning around and going back to work for nine o'clock the next morning. I don't know how I did it, but it just became part of me. I, I finally left that place and Chris stayed there because we worked at the same company, by the way. That's how I met him. I finally left that place and went to another job that 
I think this is when it really became a problem. I became the sort of complaints manager for a company, for a restaurant company, and it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I was basically yelled at all day by people, and I'm pretty sensitive to that, and I admit that. That's one of my shadows that I've had to work with. I'm pretty sensitive to being yelled at all day. So what I used to do is take an hour off at lunch, go to the park, and go to M&S. So M&S here in the, in the UK has these like tin drinks of G&Ts or pina coladas or whatever, and I would drink two of those, two of them, and they have two drinks in each of them. So I was drinking four at lunch. I only stayed at that job for six months, so it wasn't something that ended, ended up continuing afterwards after I left, but it was definitely a coping mechanism and self-medicating that triggered later stuff later on. That job was okay. I drove a lot, so I didn't really have enough. I was driving three hours each way, so I didn't need, I didn't really have time to drink, but I was drinking, you know, a bottle of wine every other day, or well, every three days or something, uh, maybe two days. I don't know. The time, just crazy. That time was a blur. And then I went to another job and then it got really out of hand and it got, I was being bullied at work there. So I again went to the bottle to sort of help me. And I didn't realize that I was self-medicating and I became sort of a binge drinker. I wasn't necessarily like drinking in the morning, but as soon as I got off work, I would be drinking. I'd be, you know, I was working in London at the time. And so on the train home, I would get those M&S tins. Jesus Christ, if they did not, <laughs> those M&S tins. I just can't even tell you how much they enabled me to just kind of spiral out of control. I could have a two of them on an hour long trip home and just be like totally blissed out when I got home. But they had a lot of sugar and I was putting on weight like like nothing else. But the culture here is to drink. It's to binge drink. and And so I didn't think it was wrong. I thought it was totally normal. And so the turning point came for me last winter when I was burnt out for the third time. And I think the alcohol definitely contributed to my burnout of every single time I, I did burn out. And I ended up taking six weeks off. And I said, I'm not going to drink, but I ended up drinking the whole time. And especially in the first parts of my sort of spiritual journey, I was so intense that I continued to drink. I continued to drink and I continued to drink. January of this year, I took a break, but I'd started a new job and they wanted to take me out for dinner. So I drank for that as well. And it was so easy for me to just be like, well, it goes with the territory. It goes with the job. Salespeople drink, blah, blah, blah. Until I finally had my like last episode. So I got COVID in March of 2022. So this year, and I got COVID in Ireland again drinking my ass off. That was an interesting experience because I will say I sort of had come into my power as a person then, but I was still drinking, but I had sort of released my anxiety. And the only anxiety that I had was related to my drinking. So anytime I had a heavy night in the morning, I'd have anxiety as you do. And the final straw for me was I had my sister Lexi down. And I think she doesn't know this, but she'll listen to this. And we went out to see a show. We saw the Eagles with my friend, my best friend, Jen. And we brought, we snuck in alcohol. So we brought in tequila, um, whiskey, and something else. There was like little pouches of alcohol. There was a lot of alcohol. And Jen and I did that. We, I was not okay. I was not a good person during that. 
I mean, I don't think I did bad things, but I was definitely obnoxious and annoying. And it, it goes back to this bigness part of me, that fear of being big. And it's like, instead of dealing with the shadow work, and this was the last bit I had to work on when it came to my alcohol, there's always going to be stuff to work on my alcoholism, my drinking, my binge drinking. I was big. I was talking to everyone around me. I was dancing with a lady. There's a picture of me hugging a lady who looks fucking terrified. And this is the last time I drank. And then I, I, I had a, I crossfaded because we had a little bit of edible there and I became a ragdoll. I became an absolute ragdoll. Um, and this had never happened to me. I was quite proud of the fact that most of the time I always got home, 99% of the time there was one other situation which should have been another, like, should have been a clue that I had stopped again with my best friend Jen where I got sick on myself. We'll never do that again. Um, and I decided that next morning, I said, enough is enough. I'm going into psychosis. I'm acting like someone I don't want to be. And the most embarrassing part is that my sister had to get me home and she's younger than me. And I don't know that she necessarily looks up to me. I hope she doesn't because that's not the point. But it was like, I need to be setting an example and I don't need to have my little sister carrying me home and taking care of me. That is not, that is not okay. And so I stopped and I have not drank since. I basically got to a point where I said, why do I need this alcohol anymore? It's no longer fun. It's causing problems on this journey where I'm trying to find a, my bigness and who I am, I'm manipulating myself in these moments of alcohol that are embarrassing me and I'm self-sabotaging myself. So I stopped cold Turkey. I say that cold Turkey throughout the journey. I have had three drinks. One again was work related. We were at a boss's house and he had a bar in his attic and he was making margaritas and I love, loved tequila. Let's put it that way. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And it went straight to my head. I had one. I went home. I said, no, nah, you know what? To be honest, the next day I had anxiety directly related to it. I said, to be honest, I don't need this anymore. And then the second time and the third time were when I was on holiday in Greece with my friend. And they were actually more or less, I had a thimble of wine, like basically a little teeny tiny glass of wine because she bought a thing of a jug of wine and didn't want to waste it it was cheap shitty wine it gave me heartburn and anxiety pretty much immediately so I said absolutely not and this is probably because I've now tapped into all of this I know where these stuff I'm listening to my body I know where this stuff is coming from I know that if I put alcohol into it it makes me feel like shit instead of just ignoring it I wasn't in in tapped in like I used to be I I wasn't tapped into myself like I am now that's a better way of putting that <laughs> so then the third time was I was like, I'm going to have this really nice lamb and I'm going to try to have just a glass of wine with it. It didn't do anything to me. It didn't, it wasn't nice. It wasn't bad. I was neutral. So it's not worth it. Um, it made me tired. So yeah, I have had drinks and slips, I think is what they would call it within, but I don't really count them. I've been sober for four and a half months now. And I never really had, in any of those situations, I never had a craving for it. I never was like, I need this drink. I never, we still have alcohol downstairs in our, in our alcohol cabinet. That was always for me. My husband drinks around me. My friends drink around me. I don't need alcohol. I don't have a craving for it. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. And I think it's because I hit that rock bottom and I learned that I needed to connect with myself in my spiritual journey, that all of this work that I was doing alcohol was simply derailing me and helping me manipulate myself and self-sabotage myself. So if I wanted to 
get that if I wanted to have a happier, more peaceful life, I had to remove it. Now, I'm not saying that you should, but if this is a problem and you're seeing it in yourself, just know that you can quit and it can be easy. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be an upward slog or, or struggle. But what you have to do is you need to work on your mindset first around alcohol so that, and you need to give yourself some tools in order to help yourself deal with moments in which your body just triggers. Now, the thing is, as I say, I didn't have cravings, but I definitely had habits I had to break. There was definitely a couple times where I just found myself walking to the alcohol cabinet in my house and then standing there and going, why am I here? It was definitely a very strange thing for me to realize how much control it had over me. And I also realized that I had to come up with ways that if someone says, do you want to drink? saying no in a way that makes them want to listen but also makes my brain want to listen because it's very easy to be like yeah absolutely I'll take a drink because it's you think it's easier or you don't want to have the conversation with someone as to why you aren't drinking but for me the one thing that I do is I always tell myself a story that when someone says do you want to drink I go not right now and that doesn't necessarily like basically not right now is just a key to them going, okay, yeah, that's fine. She will eventually. And it doesn't trigger them, but it doesn't trigger me either. And then I spend the second, the sort of minute and a half after that thinking about what would happen if I did have a drink at a later stage. And I usually tell myself, well, you would have one and then you couldn't say no. So you'd have as many as you want. You'd fall off in the morning you'd have anxiety and you wouldn't get anything done with work. And then you'd be completely unproductive. You would lose your peace. I just go down and I tell this story to myself and by the time a minute and a half is done, I don't want it anymore. I don't need it. I'm like, you know what? Actually, a tea would be great. A soda would be great. I love Diet 7-Up, to be honest. I'm like, that fulfills my need to have a drink in my hand and feel like I'm doing something when I'm having a conversation with someone. And the other thing is I'm completely okay with who I am right now. So when I'm around people, I can be that person. Now, that is another journey that I'm on right now. I am completely okay with who I am, but figuring out how that comes up with people that I'm around and how I communicate with them without the alcohol is a completely new one for me, but we are getting there. So that is my story of sobriety. It all has to do with my hero's journey and all of the shadow work that I've been doing. If you're interested in starting your own journey your own hero's journey, or continuing an existing journey, there is a free workbook that you can um, download that I will put in the show notes for you to download from. I hope that just starting to think about it or hearing my story and hearing that it doesn't have to be hard might help you think that drinking is definitely something you can conquer. And that you and, and honestly, even though it wasn't hard, I'm super proud of myself because it doesn't have to be hard for it to be worthwhile. And yeah, so I absolutely think you can do it. I think there are different approaches to it other than just going to AAA or any of the other organizations. If you need it though, there's no shame in that. I think though, I did not want to go to something like that because I am an introvert and I thought it would drain me instead of help and support me. So there's definitely ways to do it on your own but it does take commitment and it does take time. Thanks for joining me today. If you liked this episode, 
please like, subscribe, or leave a review. If you'd like to hear more from Versa Collective, head over to Instagram where you can find me at versa.cltv.